Did you think it would happen? Season two? I honestly didn't. <laughs> um, but here we are. We are here. We were holding out hope. <laughs> I thought you guys were holding out like the opposite of hope. Like, oh God, I might be, I might not have to do this anymore. I, no. We enjoy doing this. No, we, we definitely do. Um, season two. Yes, this is podcast. We're back. Broadcasting live to tape from our Bridgewater basement studio, which mm-hmm. I think actually probably sounds way better compared to the echo and the violence that yeah. we heard <laughs> nightly in Brockton. Should be fewer ambulance runs. Yeah. Can you imagine what, what it's going on right now on uh, Core Street in Brockton? It's a nice night, so I know. Well, anything nice could happen. Night, bullets ringing out. Uh, but yeah, we are back. Do you miss it? Um, the only thing I miss is the commute to work. Yeah. And the midnight walks to get pizza. I do miss the midnight walks to get pizza, but I've been getting Cape Cod down got, the street. You got some options and here. And it's, uh, I got a pizza at Barrett's a couple weeks ago, and it was abominable. Mm-mm. That was when I uh, asked the people if I could give them five bucks to take a few swings. <laughs> and I, do you want to tell that story? Uh, sure. <laughs> well, this is season two yep. of Y Tip, everyone's favorite podcast. Uh, we are... <laughs> I guess it's the reboot where now we listen to music that we've heard before and we watch documentaries that we've seen before, (laughs) which is a lot easier. Um, I think we're going to try to make this another weekly thing, see if we can kick out another... How many episodes was the first season? 26. Wow. That's like really impressive. It's not bad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's see if we can do... Let's see if we can do a 52 total. Okay. And then what? We just... Then we just come, fade we, away. We reboot the entire concept, Master of None season three style. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, we're back. We're excited. I think we're comfortable. Well, you and I are excited. Scott's tired. Uh, Scott's had a tired we'll power through. I, I think Scott appreciates the like creative outlet of <laughs> a little bit. I Certainly, mean, I do. Where else do you get this? Uh, nowhere. I told nowhere you. else. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, I've. I make. I'm, I've made the studio. We're a very tiny table. The equipment's on, mm-hmm. but actually, it seems to be working. So, I'm fine. Uh, table hasn't fallen over yet. No, it hasn't. Um, so, yeah, we're in Bridgewater now. I moved. I am almost a week away from selling the Court Street studio. Mm-hmm. Another podcast is buying it. I think it's. No, I wish that'd be great. I got a an, uh, a text from my uh, real estate person. She's like, what home insurance do you use? The buyer wants to know. I'm like, why? Like, there are other avenues to get that information. <laughs> if you've ever, like, purchased a property, you would have, like, you know, some other ideas. Because I, I, it, it kind of blew my mind. Of, you like, would think a realtor would have some suggestions, maybe. Or their realtor. Right. Like, the buyer's agent should have that. So I thought that was kind of funny, and I told her what it was. Travelers. So Travelers, thank you for sponsoring <laughs> the first episode of season two of our Unfortunately, podcast. our Barrett sponsor fell through. The Barrett's one fell hard. Yeah. Um, their pizza sucks, but terrific bar, great tap list. Yeah, I, I don't. I haven't been I, in years. I haven't seen a better tap list in a long time. Uh, so yeah, I went there. I got a pizza. I walked. Mm-hmm. It's not that close. It's literally through the woods. It's right there. But I took the long way. As the crow flies, it's... As the crow flies, it's probably uh, probably 100 yards. Yeah. You can hear when they have bands and stuff. I love it. Okay. The old battle axe doesn't care for it too much. It gets kind of loud. <laughs> um, 
So I walked there, got a pie. I was like, I'll eat this when I get home. And I maybe made it about 100 steps before I started eating it on the walk. <laughs> so I walk by, um, it's called, it's Cottage Street that cuts across, runs parallel to the fields. I'm eating my pizza. I'm wearing my jersey. I got my, field. I got my like, you know, typical outfit on that I wear that probably sets off a few alarms in people's mm-hmm. brains. And then I see a, a young father and son playing baseball at one of the, when I was a kid, they call it a major league field. I think it's like 275 down the lines. Okay. So I'm walking by and I just, you know, I guess I belly up and I say, hey, uh, five bucks, 20 swings. And the dad's belly like. Belly up to the ballpark. What's going on? Watch. Oh. He threw it off the backboard. Oh. So who was that that threw it? Was it Kyrie? Kevin Durant. Oh, oh season Kevin two, Durant we'd threw it get up. away from these no. random sports interjections to- <laughs> that... <laughs> Kevin Durant tried to inbound a ball, and instead he threw it off the backboard, and it went out of bounds, so they I lost think, possession. I think you're, mi- you're mixing it up with our... Poli- we used to watch the political stuff. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, was that better, Emily? <laughs> They're remember, both bad. I remember like we would be like wrapping up like our post-show talks, and they'd be like, when Reagan was president, and like things <laughs> were so great. All right, sorry for interrupting your story. That's no, okay. So I say, hey, five bucks, 20 swings, and he goes, I'll give you 20 swings, swings for free. So I go down. I'm wearing Hawaiian shirt, Nowitzki throwback. You know how I do. Um, and I'm wearing sunglasses, but I have my regular glasses. So I take my sunglasses. I take my regular glasses off, blah, 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 put them down on the side. And I start swinging. Filed off, filed off, filed off a few. And the guy's like, when was the last time you swung a bat? And I, I think he said that because I wasn't like whiffing. Because I making contact, like after I mean, not. How hard is he throwing? Like maybe the like astadello when's what's how do you say williams astadio williams is throwing 45 he's probably throwing 45 okay but he's also 30 feet closer all right so i mean he was yeah but then he was like where do you want it because i kept following it off so i was like just give me a couple more and then (laughs) swing 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 boom over the uh over the snack bar probably about 280 i walked it off and uh (laughs) I walked to go pick up all the balls because that was the agreement. <laughs> and so I'm walking back, and I hear it. I hear in the background, hey, "Hey, Mister, you forgot something." And I'm like, "Kid, I left it all out there." He goes, "No, your glasses." <laughs> so I grab my glasses, I take them, and then I walk back. So all in all, it was a success. Have you been back since? I walk. I went. I probably watched. I walk to the Little League fields every time I run because I've been trying to run a lot. Yeah. And I, I try to hang around as much as I can until it becomes suspicious. So, Do you um, know how many lists you're on right now? I'm on a bunch. <laughs> so, you know, I, I walk through there. It's kind of fun. I watched like a major league game or Babe Ruth. And it yeah, was like... It is kind of fun. It is fun. It, it's amazing that when you see kids that are good, they stand out so much. Yeah. It's like crazy. It's like... I, do they have like a dad that knows baseball that can tell the kid or are they actually interested it, those kids are in every age group in every sport so mm-hmm. it's always the best player yeah it might like what i was thinking was like if you're playing baseball right little mm-hmm. league and you're not good you only play because your parents force you to no do kids good. play that aren't good yeah and enjoy it yes interesting i would see brad hudson did this Still did it up till five yeah, years ago. I know. And he was bad for 20 years. <laughs> and like, but he enjoyed it. I wasn't like anything special. I could make contact and I could feel the ball. But like I enjoyed it. Me too. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know. Like you know. I was good up until it became necessary to understand strategy and like mechanics and all that. Thankfully, and then my that's little like, brain couldn't handle that. So yeah. that's when I started. I got outshadowed. At that I think point. when they start calling like infield infield fly rule, tagging up stuff like that, it can kind of get a little confusing. But in Babe Ruth, which I think I was watching, they could lead. They could take leads. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't think they should allow. Well, will you write to that president? <laughs> I, I might become the president. I don't care. My new address, Bridgewater. Anyway, you know, that's that's the kind of vibe we're going for now that we're in Bridgewater. You know, trying to become a pillar of the community. <laughs> um, all right. So we, like, kind of had this agreement that we would sort of stay on topic. And we're already <laughs> flying off topic. So the last time we recorded was, I think, literally a month ago. I think so, Four yeah. Four weeks ago. That's crazy. Yep. We had two guests. We did. They both had a good time. It was mm-hmm. a f- good episode. Um, the numbers were really good. I was I was surprised because it had more listens than the last two combined. That's which good. makes me mad because like that Ramones one I thought was really good. Well, it just goes to show that people aren't listening for us. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so more mm-hmm. guests. Yeah. More guests, or for any other reason. Uh, so I tried to pepper this week's agenda with stories that would really pique the interest of the listeners and the co-hosts. Police dog shooting in Braintree. <laughs> okay. Did you hear about that? I heard about it. Yeah, that's sad. But what are your thoughts? Uh, Good riddance to bad the, rubbish? Didn't the guy die too? Two, two, two cops? No, I think they both. Do you know both? the answer? I think they're injured, but yeah. right? Yeah. I'm more concerned with the policeman that got shot <laughs> and the dog that got murdered. Wow. I looked it up and had to very quickly close the tab. Yeah. Started to get emotional, reading about how he was carried out of the woods. Very and they sad. draped the American flag over him, which, come on. Like, I'm just, m- my eyes haven't stopped rolling yet. <laughs> so uh, I did that for Scott. Uh, d- have we already talked about Master of None, season three on this show? I think we talked about when, when it was announced that it's coming back, yeah. Okay. Have you guys touched your toe into that controversial pond? Is it controversial? Absolutely. Well, I haven't watched it, but I don't know what's controversial about well, it. Well, Aziz was canceled. No, yeah. this is what we talked about. He's, oh, yeah. He crawled himself oh, out yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, we did He's talk fine. about that. Well, I watched like the first two episodes. We told you to watch the stand-up. And you didn't. I will never watch the stand-up. because you hate stand-up. I do. Um, <laughs> did why, you? That's why we're going to go see John Mulaney. That's more of like Classic a stand-up wreck. failure. Well, I think we're watching that for the... It's got some... It's more of a spectacle. Okay. It might not be... I like the, I like the jokes. Have you heard any of his new jokes? No. If I could do a Millennium impression, which I can't, I would do it right <laughs> now because his he, the way he talks is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. I could just say anything. I could say police dog shooting a brain tree and you guys be rolling in the aisles. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. He's doing what? Two, 12 ten, shows? 10 shows in a week. Do you like John Mulaney? I do. Yeah. Do you like that he left his wife? I mean, if it's for the betterment of the relationship, sure. I think she was completely blindsided. By him leaving? Yeah. She had no idea. What are you basing this off of? No, he, I'm, I'm 100%. Curious. She was. There was okay. a statement. She has her own PR now, and she said she was blindsided. Mm. And now she's with Olivia. He's with Olivia Munn. Yeah, that, that won't last. Was Aaron Rodgers with Olivia Munn? Yes. Interesting. You know who Aaron Rodgers dates now? Um, don't tell me. I do. Tree? Actress. Uh, I can't remember her name. Tree? Tree? Woodley. Shailene, Shailene Woodley. Woodley. That's mm-hmm. right. 
I could have said bark, and we might have been in the same part. <laughs> I don't want to go back to the police dog shooting, though. Gets God all sad. Um, but yeah, Master of None, I haven't watched it yet. I watched the first. It's it's first of all, who remember the superhero I said I wanted to create? No. We did it in an email. It was like a superhero who avenges all things that are done not in widescreen. Remember I, said, I made like a great joke. It's not in widescreen. Okay. I'm sorry. So it's in letterbox. So I don't know, but it, it's really good. I watched the first two. I really dug it. Um, it has very little to do with uh, Aziz. Aziz. Alina's He's in character. the second episode though. Yeah. So, and, and, and when you watch it, he's like with his girlfriend in the show, Aziz. And I think he substitute, like when he's referring to his girlfriend, I think he's actually referring to his own career in a way. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know, it was pretty interesting. I'll watch it at some point. How many episodes? It's Eight? five. Five? But like the first one's an hour. The second one was like 26, which I love how they do that. It helps. TV up. has no rules anymore. I know. It's Netflix. It's not HBO. It's not even TV. <laughs> um, Emily, are you a John Mayer fan? No. Okay. Scott, are you? No. All right. Are you? No, God no. <laughs> I didn't know if I like. I'm just casting out right now, trying to see what like what I can catch. Did you know Amnesiac from Radiohead is also 20 years old? I wasn't aware. Yeah. Are you a big Radiohead fan? I wouldn't say big, but I'm a fan. Have we yeah. done a potpourri section of the pod before? Potpourri section of the Will pod. We just pull random shit out <laughs> and ask us about it. It's every episode. <laughs> it is every episode. Right. Um. I just was thinking, I don't know, like some, my sister loves John Mayer, yeah. but like at the time she really liked John Mayer and she told me, she's like, yeah, we'd listen to Room for Squares every day before school. And she got hit in the head and became an amnesiac. <laughs> you're going to say something else. I'm like, damn, you're really going all out. Um, okay. I don't know. I remember when it came out, I think it was everywhere yeah. in high school. He went to Berkeley. It was in high school 20 years ago, which is hard to wrap my brain around, but mm-hmm. I want to tell you about a dream I had last night. I was on Martha's Vineyard, and I was mm-hmm. in a small coffee shop, and Brad Pitt was there with all his kids. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was, like, pointing it out. And, like, you could see people, like, in the corner talking about how Brad Pitt was there. And I was just looking at him, like, yeah, man, this must be tough. <laughs> and I was trying to, like, catch a mo, which is what I would really do yeah. is what if I really do. saw Brad Pitt. Just trying to commiserate with him? Yeah, I'd be like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to bother you. I can't believe they are. <laughs> it was such a weird dream. I'd love to know what caused it. I don't think we'll know, though. Hmm. All right. We got to do our sports corner, a staple of the show, where you can zone out for the next mm, three minutes. Okay. I did, did read about this. Scott, Bob Renly making fun of Marcus Stroman for wearing a do-rag. He said that was the same do-rag that Tom Seaver used to wear. Yeah. Tom Seaver was a Mets pitcher, and he was white. Now, did you think that Bob Renly was like this sort of... Yeah, I've, I remember some of the other instances. I, I don't remember any of it. I thought it was when they brought up Aramis Ramirez. I'm like, remember I got that uh, cameo from him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, during, early in the pandemic, I got a cameo from Aramis Ramirez. And uh, a former third baseman for the Pirates and the Cubs. Excellent player. Mm-hmm. C- com- I would say very underrated player. Mm-hmm. Borderline Hall of Famer. Yep. And uh, w- this is in the beginning of the pandemic when we we're all bored. I would buy these cameos for people. Because I got the Dontrell Willis one I got for Scott. 
and it was so good and it was so funny. So I was like, I'm going to get more. And then they were so crappy after that. <laughs> yeah. He set the bar too. Don Trell, Z Train set the bar too high. And like, this was early when Cameo was like not, like you knew what it was, but like it was, people were still like feeling it out. So I, I got the Don Trell. I'm like, this is great. It was like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I got one for like Tony. I got one for Donley. I got one for Dan. And they were all, they never quite reached the heights. It's so. too bad. Yeah, but Aramis' was especially bad. I just want to point that really out. Awful. And who it, got his? Uh, not Tony. Was it Tony? It might have been Tony, because Heath Bell I got for Donley. Yeah. And Byron Buxton I got for Dan. So it must have been Tony. Yeah. <laughs> but he just, like, English is a second language. And also, he must have been doing like 10 of them, and it was like nine seconds long. Oh. And like, you, you can like put what you want them to say. And like, he didn't say it. You know, I, I don't know. It just wasn't very good. But, like, he was very passionate about the subject of how Bob Brownlee was a racist. Not in the cameo. This was <laughs> not in the cameo. That would have been great. That Your thoughts been. on Bob Brenly? We got every, every cameo news. is just him ripping yeah. Brenly. But, you know, I, Bob Brenly's taken a week away to think about his... What, know, he's such an asshole. He's a broadcaster for the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. right? Diamondbacks? Yeah, but he used to work for the Cubs. He used to work for the Cubs. He was a manager of the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he and he won a World Series with them, yeah, right? That was the Gonzo team. Mm-hmm. Schilling, Randy Johnson. He's only taking Young a week Kim. off. Tony Wa- Tony yeah. Womack. Whole, I know that's like a whole the, week. Yeah, a little sensitivity training. I thought it was longer. I think it's a week. Mm. I mean, hopefully it turns into longer, but like probably at not. At this point, teams need to know because the team. Well, no, I guess the teams probably the Diamondbacks probably don't own their network. No, they definitely don't. But like, what's the sense in like? keeping him around like go out on a limb take a new person yeah mark grace is already taken oh mark grace is another one can't stand him but you know Strowman was like yeah it's subtle racism and i think he was empowered by kyrie irving saying hey if they boo me that's subtle racism which i don't know Eh, you're reaching a little bit there probably was empowered by that Kyrie was going for preemptive a preemptive strike on the booing he was going to get I think it was a smart move it's a great PR ploy but yeah. it's not I don't know. are you speaking it's a bit purely cynic. in alliteration tonight I'm trying he's doing a really good <laughs> job it was cynical but like it I think I don't think he was wrong no but there's a lot of reasons then, to dislike Kyrie that kid threw the bottle at him which kind of validated everything, which it probably wasn't a racist act, but the guy's name was Cole Buckley from Braintree, <laughs> which, know. you know. Who could have seen it coming? If it was North Shore, I would have been like, oh, yeah. Like, if it was Revere, Watertown, something like that, but it went South Shore, which was kind of surprising. Wearing a Garnett jersey, too, which I just bought one, so I Uh-oh. can't wear that it's for tarnished. a while. It is tarnished. Give it a week, at least. Go yeah. buy this, guy's. Follow this guy's lead. Yeah. yeah. Give the... Uh, <laughs> send Bob Brenly your Kevin Garnett jersey. Wear this for some good PR. You see Otani last night? I didn't. Six innings, 10 Ks, one on run. Good. Very he's, good. He's been very good. If he doesn't... He, his hitting has kind of dropped in recent weeks, but like he should be a shoo-in for the MVP. Everyone's getting hurt. I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> All right. All right, Emily. You can tune back in. Thanks. Okay, did you guys watch the trailer for the Tony Bourdain movie, Roadrunner? I did not yet, but I saw a buzz about it. I sent it to you. You did? Yes. You sent it in an email. Yeah. You said oh, it might yeah, be too soon. Work. 
Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> it's been a busy I, I few forgot. weeks at work. I, haven't, I forgot we don't email during work at all. <laughs> well, I can't watch videos <laughs> Has anymore. it been busy at work? Yeah, it has. Not a lot of computer time for me at work. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. It's called Roadrunner. Do you think it's based on the song? No. It is. It is? Yes. They play the song in the trailer. Why is it based on the song? I think it's... I, I think he must have liked the band. Huh. Interesting. But, like, when I saw the movie's called Roadrunner, I'm like, are they going to play the song? And they did. You know the song, right? No. Oh, my God. He knows this it. This is, like, Emily's... One of her favorite songs, right? Yeah. Also, the there's a new venue opening up in Boston named The Roadrunner. Right? Really? Didn't you send us that, too, a while back? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I sent you a lot right. of good that things. That was not a video, so I... <laughs> <laughs> it was a paywalled link that you had to go into incognito <laughs> I know, mode. I was going to say. You had to control A, control C, paste, and notepad. That's all Scott's links. All right. Da, 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 da. I guess, what is this, musical trivia we're doing now? Scott, to guess what song this is? <laughs> Roadrunner. One, two, three, four, five, six. Roadrunner, So yeah, the trailer. It's a Massachusetts song, which is why I mean. He did work in Massachusetts. Oh okay. In P Town. He's just such a New York guy. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe. Not you know, that people the, from New York can't also like Jonathan Richards. Shouldn't. But, yeah. Well, I think that the concept of like a roadrunner kind of fits him yeah I mean I don't truly know if like they got it all kind of makes sense to me but I was like oh roadrunner and then they played the song I'm like okay Hmm. it would have made more sense if they played like you know Judy is a punk or something yeah kind of the same vibe too yeah Yeah. he loved the Ramones loved him what'd you think of the trailer (sighs) it was all footage from his various shows so it didn't really do much for me um, after I watched the trailer, I kind of was like, well, what was like the definitive article on his suicide? People really don't know why he killed himself. It's kind of weird. I think it was depression. Right? Yeah. Like obviously it was depression, but like there was no sort of, there weren't a lot of signs that he was depressed to, to at least that's what I found. Like there wasn't like the New York times article where they're like, you know, when Robin Williams killed himself, there was like a really long article that I read. Um, the guy that founded Zappos, the shoe company, mm-hmm. he died in a fire that they think was suicide. And there was a really long article in the New York Times about it. They just where they kind of like interview his friends and family. But they did that? Did they? Yeah. I but remember like reading. Who's the chef that Eric Repair? Yeah, he was in it, and there were a few other big names that were I just feel like it was such a shock, too, for a guy that was, like, constantly high on life. But I think the, the trailer was trying to make it seem like that he kind of, like, soaked life for all it was worth. Hmm. And he, like, traveled to every end, and he kind of had done everything. Huh. What did you get from the trailer? Not that. What'd you get? I don't know. It, it, maybe a little bit that. But it's just going to be a, a love fest. Yeah, a love fest about him. Go over what he d- did and how his struggles. So you don't... Why do you think it's surprising people with past addictions and battling depression in various ways, they kill themselves out of the blue kind of often in the public eye? Chris, Cor- Chris Cornell. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's another one that was really surprising. That's yeah. probably the most similar one I can think of because he was on tour. Yeah, just... 
Yeah, I mean, there's no mm-hmm. rhyme or reason to it. I guess maybe it was so surprising to me because, I mean, you know, his therapy was his shows, going out, trying everything. I mean... Yeah, he, he he felt everything so deeply, you know? Yeah. And I just, at some point, I think it takes you, it takes over you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah. It looks good. What uh, network is doing it? I think it's actually in the theaters, but it might oh, be... Okay. Is it HBO? I don't think. I think it might actually be in the theater. Hmm. You'll have to go back to the theater. I'm looking forward to going back to a theater. Are you? I am. Do you have any plans to do that yet? Not not specifically. I've been thinking about it more and more. I don't know what's coming out that I can Maybe the take new Wes Anderson? Take a kid to. to. Oh, no. I don't know. We'll see. I I don't know. No plans yet. A new Paul Thomas Anderson, maybe. It's got to be one coming. Yeah, it's out, just right? yeah. That's later in the year, though. Okay. Um, did you guys read the leaked Fauci emails from via F O I A? No. Ooh, they are damning. Absolutely damning. Fill us in. I, no, didn't, I, read I didn't read any of them either. <laughs> um, they were just like oh, I saw like, was right wing sites posting. Yeah. Nonsense about it. He was getting information. And he was processing it and changing his opinion. Bad, bad How news. How dare he? Um, now, <laughs> all right, we'll talk a little bit about this, then we'll take a quick break, and then get into the topics, because my landlord has a few requests. <laughs> uh, Ellie Kemper. Ellie K.K. Kemper. Yeah. Uh, did you follow this story? Some things are for so about, ridiculous. Yeah, for about five minutes. For some things are so ridiculous in such a flash in the pan, I don't even bother mentioning it to Scott. But in 1999, she was in a pageant of, she was in Georgia? Is that where it was? Missouri, I think. Missouri. 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 I don't and, know. Somewhere and, in the South. And it was just like a whites only bit of business. Yeah. And uh, she's canceled. Do you think, I don't no, think she'll she's actually. she's not canceled. She should be. No. No. She was 19. That's too old for this kind of stuff. To be in a, to be a, the bell of the ball? <laughs> you could be any age and be the bell of the ball. There you go. Uh, did you like, this is one of these things where, well, her parents are both very white, white, but very wealthy, successful people. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what their professions are. We can find out right now. Yeah. So, but it relates pretty easily to, okay. Her mother is a homemaker, but her father is a slave owner. So I can see where that would be very profitable. It's a weird line for a joke. No, I just hold on. Ellie. (laughs) Ellie Kemper. Like, like the line you took. What do you mean the because line I took? Because her mom is also like a professional I, well, person. I had to. And so you just started with the homemaker. I'll tell you what. She is adorable. I will say that. You never even watched Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt. I didn't. I or The Office. I did watch The Office. You did? Yeah. You just didn't like it. I loved it. Was she on The Office? Yes. I don't remember. For like... Four seasons. <laughs> no, I, the one I watched was only two. It was oh, British. You the, oh, sorry. I, wait, which one? You, was there another one? Oh, I, I, I didn't see that one. You're right. I didn't watch the you know office. What? I didn't miss this podcast. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> it's called timing, people. Um, let's see. That was pretty good timing. I, I don't really, I can't see. I was see waiting it. for the praise to come. I knew it was. <laughs> Self-praise. <laughs> um, I don't know what her parents did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They were just wealthy white people in Missouri, and there's some like 
ball festival yeah thing that happens in missouri strong clan connections <laughs> kind of i don't know it sounds like it was just developed during a time when everything was racist it was so it's it 1990 just, oh it, so like it the way started the ball, in 18 or 1915 or 1865 or something so like the way the ball was founded was that at the time yeah, she was the 105th young woman to be honored in 1999 i guess there so. were like socialists 120 years ago that were fighting back against the capitalists and the capitalists won via violence and whatever and were, were able to continue their tradition of slave ownership mm. and this ball celebrated that victory over these union socialists oh. but just this sentence tells you all you need to know Ellie is the great-great-granddaughter of banker, insurance man, and railroad magnate William Thornton Kemper Sr. So, whatever. She was... Old money. Yeah. Yep. Old money. Very dirty money. Speaking of very dirty money... We, we got some clips? We'll play a little clips when we go out. Um, I do have to say, still no DFA 1979 review on page <laughs> I, four, which is shocking. I checked, I checked two days every ago. Day. <laughs> Um, they just bailed on it. Matt Gates. The more bad news comes out, he still hangs on. Yep. I think, you know, his friend flipped completely, and then there was news this week where like there was a recording of a three-way phone call. So I'm holding out hope. Just the phone call. Just the phone call. You dirty son of a gun. Um, <laughs> all right. So we'll play a little song, and then we'll break, and then we'll be come back. And we'll actually talk about the stuff people want to hear. Let's go spin these right quick. What's that? On my fly bitches lie. On my stripper bitches lie. On my college hoes lie. Don't it spin so right? Now let's go shopping. Let's go chill. Let's go buy the new Louboutin Hills. Ass in the pearl. Ears full of pearls. Damn dirty money. This makes me miss Willie Nelson because we had so much fun doing that Shotgun Willie album. We did. And I already have what I want to do for the next episode in mind as far as music is concerned. Okay. And I don't think Scott's ever heard it. I've never heard it. But you might have heard it. So the suspense is killing me. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, we just had our typical 30-minute break <laughs> where I deliver goods to the landlord. And... Uh, Paid your fealty clause? I did, yeah. <laughs> Goods to the landlord. I'll tell you what, that eviction moratorium, it's bullshit. <laughs> you can leave at any time, forcibly, by force. Uh, so, duh, 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 we did the thing where we talk a bunch of bullshit. Are you sure we're recording? Because you seem a little rusty on the... Uh, I, I, no, we are recording. Scene. Okay. We did that twice, right? I think Both so. Both times we lost gold, which was the worst part. <laughs> like, we legit lost stuff that i was like fuck are you kidding me yeah um maybe we can release our lost archives <laughs> the one that we released and had to pull down that we had to pull down we could we could <laughs> we could pull that back again uh so duh, 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 i want to give an update i'm going to pitchfork fest chicago the windy city i'll be there 
I thought you were going to keep going. No, I'm not. Nobody <laughs> likes that. Everybody hates it. Um, I do it at work all the time. Everyone just. It's your trademark. It is my trademark, but yeah. like nobody likes it. Yeah, it's it's trademark. miserable. I, I just like to say all the nicknames for Chicago. So Pitchfork Fest, September 9th, St. Vincent, Flying Lotus, um, bunch of bands. It's going to be sick. I'm very excited. Going solo. Going solo. I got a round. Oh, I got a round trip ticket for hundred and fifty dollars. It's a good deal. And then the tickets for the show, I think, were maybe two fifty. And then I got an Airbnb for like the same price, so under a thousand bucks, which is the goal. Not bad. Yeah, so it should be cool. I'll uh, maybe I'll record a couple solo apps when I'm out there. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, September. Yep, September. That's your nine eleven present. That's my 9-11. You know, every year, I like to buy a 9-11 present for myself. Uh, it's too bad we never got to go to that 9-11 bar. I think a remote broadcast from that place would have been a really good idea. Is it too bad we never got to go there? <laughs> Some people said it was tasteless. I don't know. No. How dare they? <laughs> no, no, no. The food. They didn't like it. <laughs> Folks. <laughs> uh. I like the look in Scott's eye when I said that. <laughs> Pure hatred. <laughs> no, you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I want to tell a quick little story. Memorial Day, uh, my parents and myself, we have a boat. I, we go to Quincy. We drive it to Weymouth, where it is. I pull it in the slip. I do a great driving job. I'm a pretty good, what do you call it, boat captain? Coxswain? A coxswain. I'm an excellent <laughs> coxswain. I get it in the slip, nice and easy. Everyone's cheering, congratulating. I do a three-point turn getting out of the Quincy Bay Point Marina because I didn't have enough space. And three years ago, this would have freaked me out and I would have panicked. But now I can just kind of back it up, pull right out. I just want to live like you for one day where <laughs> you have these fantasies where people are cheering and clapping for you. As That's all you're... I want is approval. <laughs> That's all I want. Anyway. Meanwhile, what really happened was... The three-point turn pulling out of a slip in the middle of a harbor is actually really difficult. You, there's no brakes. Your reverse yeah. is your brakes. So imagine you're driving a car. The only way you can brake is by throwing it in reverse and still hitting the gas. I, try, I tried that. It's yeah. not, it's not no, great for it's the engine. It's very stressful. But. So I have to do the three-point turn, and I, I'm in, under no panic at all. I've done it a million times, but my mom was like, had to close her eyes while I was doing it mm-hmm. because in the water, like it's windy. Everything affects you. Blah, blah, I go get gas. You got to like sidle up too. You got to like put it in, put it forward and then put it in reverse and then the wind's pulling you out, whatever. All right. I mean, I'm fine with you making hand motions, but also talking to the mic. That's Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so like I do all these great boat moves. I'm flying high. I get off the Bridgewater exit. Cumberland Farm. In the boat? <laughs> <laughs> I get off the Bridgewater exit to get gas. Fill up the tank. Just kidding. Only $25. Um <laughs> I see a couple across from me together, but in separate cars. Mm-hmm. Now, in my head, I'm like, okay, all day, Memorial Day party, they're a little drunk. It's a rainy weekend. Yeah, but Saturday was like, it was a day you could have conceivably been outside. True. I grilled that night. We grilled until the wee hours in the morning. Uh, steak tips. We had a great evening. But this couple is like arguing by the gas pumps. And the boyfriend he starts like slamming the car door and punching it. So the girl gets in the car and they're probably like in their late Mm thirties. And 
she's like in the car and she's like obviously scared on the phone and he's like just kind of wandering around with his head down and then i try not to stare which is difficult because you know me i like to stare <laughs> so i'm like i'm like what do i do here like Regular i'm trying peeping pat yeah i'm trying not Were to you like in that movie the men who stare at boats <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> i thought you're gonna say was i in the um the talented mr ripley how's the peeping patty <laughs> <laughs> You ever see that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's, I know, it's, I got It's see so it. funny. Um, so I'm like, what do I do here? Do I call the police and say, I saw a domestic disturbance, a guy in a, like, he was in like a roofing truck that had the slats for like ladders. Mm -hmm. And then I see a woman in a gold SUV with a dog in the back seat. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I see them driving out, taking a, a right. The woman in the gold SUV has vanity plates that say, I can't remember, Easty? It was like, it was Easty, E-S-T-Y. So I'm like, I have to report this. I would feel terrible if I didn't. So, you know, all cops are bastards. But in this case, I have to go to the police station. I report it. It didn't even show up on the Bridgewater Twitter. Don't, that, I was kind of, that was your whole goal. I know. That was my whole goal. <laughs> I wanted to. You sick fuck. <laughs> but still, they, they took you all my information. Your own Twitter account. That's true. But I only reported it because of the vanity plate. And uh, who knows? I don't think anything came of it. But it was weird. What would you have done? I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea what I would have done. I probably would not have gone to the police. They're, if they drove off really in separate cars. Here. That's yeah. why it goes on my way back. Yeah. If. I don't know. I like when there's a convenient police station on the way. Just yeah. makes reporting crimes all the so much <laughs> easier. The other thing too was that as I'm driving back home, I pass two cop cars, not with their lights on or anything. But I'm like, did she report it? Did she call nine one one? She may have. But I just in my head, I was like, if something bad happens to this person, at least the point of failure isn't on me. Right. I can say that. They could you tried. The information could come out, well, this was reported. Like and I was like, all right, at least I won't feel bad about that. Yeah. So um You did what you could. Yeah, I did what I could. I had a, a fight happen in front of me in school this week and didn't know what to do. One <laughs> of the kids was like six feet tall and very large. So I can't really get involved. What did you do? I stood there and said stop. And then one of the male employees oh the hero. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Uh, one of the male teachers came along and broke them up. Okay. Did they play this for stressful. you? No. One teacher said, looked at me and said, how come you're in the middle of everything that goes wrong? Oh my, <laughs> in this school district. That's personnel-wise, student-wise. Uh, that, that had to make you feel like garbage. Eh, it's just not wrong. Well, I did my part. I don't know. And it was so out of character for me as well. But I was like, I got that license plate, at the very least. Yeah. If she ends up dead, at least I... There was the point of failure was not made. All right. You, anyway. You Songs for you, buddy. your own ego. Enough. That's true. <laughs> Let, let's just listen to this a little bit. With the strength to carry on And you cast your fears aside Trust me, I had plenty of fears. Um, <laughs> all right. The way your fucking mind works, man. <laughs> are you impressed or are you just concerned? <laughs> the latter. Okay.
Bad Bloody Valentine, Loveless, 1991. Mm-hmm. That was the year. Uh, their second album? I think it was their second album. They had a lot of EPs yeah. and singles. Right off the bat, Scott, have you ever heard of this band before? I definitely heard of them. Mm-hmm. I had never really listened to anything. I always thought they were more recent than early 90s. Now, listening to their sound, do you still kind of think, hey, this is a pretty modern sound? Um, I don't know about modern. Timeless? More timeless. Okay. Is, yeah. Have you ever heard of this band before? I had heard the name bandied about um, Ooh. most recently <laughs> when we were doing our Cocteau Twins episode. Definitely. And there um, were so many. I thought this was a perfect artist for the beginning yeah. of season two. And thank God we didn't have to listen to the whole thing because <laughs> I mostly crammed the last 24 hours. Same. But they are a very dense band where the lyrics are not at the forefront. It's all about aesthetic mm-hmm. combined with texture and soundscape. And, you know, my relationship was this was one of those bands where like you would read a list and they'd be on it right and you'd say oh i'll check them out and then contrary to a lot of like what i read about them i didn't find them very accessible yeah i agree did it like hit you did the music like hit you immediately or were you like "Eh, this is gonna require a little bit of work yeah that's how i felt it was it's very dense, like you said, and would take a lot of focused listening, which I think was the Cocteau Twins, too. And yeah. I devoted more time to that and, I think and came around to them. And this band, I don't know. Cocteau Twins, was their pop elements were way more on their sleeve. Yeah. They were committed to being like, these are pop songs hidden underneath the layer of guitar pedals and keyboards and a fake language. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I can't... I like the music. Yeah, I don't dislike it. That's for sure, Scott. I, I like most of it. I I thought they were their influence. I think is pretty clear. To yeah, a lot of other stuff that I didn't necessarily recognize before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intro to that song really screams Cave In to me. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's good. I'm sure I could probably get Stephen Brodsky from Cave In on the show to say if you ever listen to Loveless, maybe <laughs> we'll try that. Um, my my days of booking guests for podcasts are fucking dead. <laughs> you, um, you gave it a good run. Mind you, I had f- fucking four in the pipeline, but what are you going to do? Uh, so this album cost a half million dollars to make. Really? Yeah. I would have said a buck 380. $500,000. <laughs> uh, it almost bankrupted the label because they kind of gave them carte blanche to do whatever they wanted and they just took forever They mm-hmm. took, and because they wanted to get the sound just right. Um, there was a quote from an article. I did not print very well here. But they said they cement its Walla sound with loop samples of feedback, flutes, even the sound of piano strings stroked with a... And then my printer cut off. That's what uh, happens when you try to print an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. <laughs> you got to get a fucking laptop. size 8 font. I had an error. Um, <laughs> um, but no, they were like... They were really experimental with the music and they just were not happy with anything. So they just took tons of time, tons of money. Until wow. they got exactly where they wanted. So I'm looking at my own notes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this up, but I think this album came out six weeks before Nevermind, which is really? kind of crazy. Yeah, it came out. Nevermind was either September 24th or November 4th. Let's see. 
Uh, Kevin Shields, that's a lead singer on My Bloody Valentine. He was born September in... September 24th. Good job. Okay, so th- that's when... Nevermind came out. All right, so Loveless came out six weeks after, yep. on November 4th, which is pretty crazy because I think that this is the kind of band that like Kurt Cobain would like probably name check to mm. like deflect from his own success and be like, hey, you know, yep. after you're done listening to Daniel Johnston, check out <laughs> fucking My Bloody Valentine. Jawbreaker uh, too. Jawbreaker, definitely. Um, oof, fucking great documentary. But Kevin Shields, lead singer, he is Irish, okay? But he was born in fucking Jamaica Hospital in Queens. Really? Yeah. He was the eldest of five siblings to Irish parents, and they moved back to Ireland, which I thought was crazy. Hmm. Still lives there now. Um, and, you know, listening to this band... I think Loveless probably didn't serve us very well as an intro to their catalog because their previous stuff is like very poppy. I want to play you guys a couple songs that Kevin Shields loved the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you listen to, I have more thoughts on the actual album and like what they were going for, but like listen to these songs. Yeah, like, this is so much more accessible. Which album is this from? Or is this an EP? I think it was a single. The name of the song is called Thorn. Which is, this is a pop song. Yeah. Which is, I think that, sort of like going through all our uh, bands and podcasts that we've done, that like, we kind of always go back to the same thing. There are bands that go out to write pop songs and then they turn into whatever they are when they come into their own Mm -hmm. which that could be another podcast in itself but I just think that I think that Kevin Shields got bored and was like let's push this further because in my head a pop song right is it's let's say two minutes of a, a repetition of a single idea so he took when he made Loveless, he took a single idea that might have been 12 seconds, and then he made that into an entire song. So every song was based upon like this looping part, which, I, let me see what I wrote about it, because I, I came to that realization today. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Did we ever talk about like what shoegaze is, the genre? We did a little bit in, I think, Cocteau Twins episode. Shoegaze is because you have so many pedals, you're like staring at your feet the whole time. Yeah. But Shoes. wasn't this album, Loveless, like the... Defining defining album of that subgenre? I think so. And Shoegaze has a weird thing too where like fans of the genre and of the bands ask all the artists like what pedals they're using. Hmm. And it's people are like really annoyed by it because you're just trying to duplicate a band's sound. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Did you laugh? No, it wasn't like wasn't like funny ha ha. It was like funny funny like like I I told told you you so. Me and Emily can have inside jokes as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shuge is characterized by its ethereal mixture of obscured vocals, guitar distortion and effects, feedback, and overwhelming volume. Mm-hmm. Just stomping on the pedal, you know. Yeah. Uh, let me play this other song. It's called Drive It All Over Me. Speaking of stomping, it's loud upstairs. <laughs> Thank you. 
To me, this is like the Smiths. Yeah. Yeah, I like this a lot better than what I, I heard on Loveless too. <laughs> and it wasn't like I didn't like Loveless. I just it just went, didn't do much though. I don't study for enough tests where I'd have to put that in the background. Yeah, background noise. That's exactly what it is. And I said this to Scott this week. Like, when did background noise become something that's like acceptable for us? It's because we're old. I feel like now we have this like, oh, this is good music to yeah, sit at your computer and do work to. Whereas, like, when we were young, lasses and lads, that wasn't really what appealed to us at all. Yeah. You know, Kevin Shields played every instrument on this record. Not really? this one, but on Loveless. Huh. Um, I was trying to follow the lineage of the band members and was getting pulled all over the place. I think it's just a mad genius. Kevin Shields is like a mad genius. And just brought people in and, in and out to help him? I don't want to be quoted on that, but it's... Kind of like a Smashing Pumpkins type situation, I bet. Okay. Where the band would tour with him, but he would do everything in the studio. There were a lot of very Irish names that I wouldn't know how to Colm. pronounce. Colm. Colm, but then the, yeah. the last names. McDonough. <laughs> uh, I read this in the Pitchfork review of Loveless. In, this is I'm reading this because I think it's fucking obnoxious. Imbibing this material in one large gulp feels like a new window into the band's brilliance. Is this original of its time or is it like no, someone writing is, now looking back this at the is album? the i guess they remastered it which okay. i heard they remastered it like a year ago and i couldn't find that it's not on spotify but read that quote again imbibing this up oh, there she goes she's imbibing is that the, what are you drinking a glass of the band's material yeah that was a big <laughs> one gulp um well we got to play a little bit of music from the actual album because i picked do you have like a song you want to hear scott no, I think Only Shallow was probably my favorite. Um, go go with what you like. Okay, I think this song, Loomer, is the entire ethos of the band distilled into one track. Let's hear it. Yeah, so this is the track Loomer. It's track two. And I think this, I mean, I'm not breaking in new ground with this thought. Mm -hmm. And I did come up with this on my own, though, is that if this was played twice as fast, it would be a pop song. Huh. So we could probably make that happen somehow. I was going to do that, but I was like, <laughs> ah, I can't. I'm not getting paid enough. But, you know, it's a cool song, but like, I don't. It doesn't have staying power. I don't have me. chemistry homework. Right. When am I going to throw this on? Right. I don't know. It's cool. I feel like if you were an MBV fan and you heard this podcast, you'd be like, these guys are assholes. Or they, we don't get it. I do get it. I feel like I'm missing something. I think I get it. Do you get it, Scott? I get it, yeah. Um, when You Sleep, I think, is probably my I, second favorite song. Yeah, this is a really good um, track. Let's this one really felt like a, a single. Yeah, this is like... 
here, Pixies. Sorry. It's okay. What were you going to say, Emily, before um, I rudely oh, shushed you? That's okay. Um, yeah, this reminded me of the Pixies a little bit. Yeah. Cocteau Twins anniversary. I feel like I have the same yeah. references for wow. everything. Wow. Anib- Designing a Nervous Breakdown. We talked about that record a lot <laughs> on this show. Um, yeah, like, it's kind of like the beginning is, it's it's one small moment distilled and dragged out into a whole song. Yeah. I thought there were two other songs that sounded more Cocteau Twins. Blown a wish. Yes. Was a Cocteau Twins, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't find any connection between the two bands. I didn't look very hard. I didn't either. They had to be familiar with each other. Yeah. Cocteau was from, they're from Wales? I can't remember. I think the lead singer was from Wales. Was she? I can't remember either. Welsh? Hmm. They played Albania today in a World Cup. Oh, wow. Just a friendly. Just a friendly. I don't know if she was from there. But yeah, this. See, and, uh, no, there's something wrong here, though. Not, I'm not saying there's something wrong with like the recording. They're purposely not going all out on how catchy this could be. Cause listen to this. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> and it's not Kevin Shields singing. I don't think. I don't know. Could it be? I don't know. I guess we can file this podcast under historical documents that everyone loves that we don't care for. Yeah, or we just don't care about. It's not that we don't care for them. We just... Yeah. I don't know. I feel I feel like a dummy. I would like to say that track four, To Hear Knows When, is one of my least favorite songs on any album we've well, done. you want to hear what I... This <laughs> can is we hear I it? Wrote, I don't know I wrote that down. One. I go, music seems purposely inaccessible. When would you listen to this? That is what I wrote. Which, Scott, you saying that is so funny. Well, I listen to this album four times a week for the last four weeks. (laughs) But this this track is five minutes of this noise. Yeah. But, like, there's nothing here for you? You don't... I don't mind it. Maybe two minutes of it? What I said was, when would you listen to this? Oh, at work. Background music. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's been great. Except every time some track came on... I would get between 30 seconds and three and a half minutes in and be like, why the fuck is this still playing? Right. Yeah. And it right. would just, I'd feel like I was in a Twin Peaks episode. I That's, was going to say yeah. that. I, I was going to say seen, that same thing, that we should have watched the pilot of Twin Peaks to go along seen with this. It. I know. I know. Maybe That's I should rewatch that. We can do a weekly Twin Peaks update. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. It is, but Emily needs to watch The Return, in which they have a live band every week. Really? Well, yes. I'll and rewatch and then much of the music is very similar to this. Can you grab me a something out of the fridge? Yes. Oh uh, no. No. Oh, a vitamin C, doesn't matter what. Uh I forgot about his, his slip disc. Yeah, Scott with an injury a- makes me nervous because let's assume it's a degenerative disc, all right? Okay. Well, I, ever since he tore his ACL apart and I was there. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Uh, perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... Can we please turn this off? I really <laughs> okay. hate this fucking track. If you probably feel like you're at work. <laughs> yeah. So I, anyways, you know, I don't I don't mind 75% of the songs. They're pretty good background music. A couple of good songs that I like. But uh, overall... I described it as music for mixtapes. You got a crush on someone? Throw on one of these tracks. Which one would you put on? That one. <laughs> <laughs> Here, this is what I think of you. I just, you know... MB, MBV put out a record, I think, in 2016. Let me look it up. And this this record they were like coming out with, like it was constantly being like, it's going to be out, and it was like 15 years later before it came out. It, we probably owe it to our, it came out in 2013, so mm-hmm. that was like a long time ago. But like we probably owe it to ourselves to maybe listen to that at some point and talk about it. Yeah. But I had sent you guys a tweet where some other female author maybe had just started listening to this album and she loved it mm-hmm. and people i don't know i think there are people who really love people. it chris ryan of the ringer i believe has yeah, talked can, about my my bloody valentine a lot i can see that people love but like we, i just never i can't picture myself in a situation where i'm going to put this on and i've always i probably tried listening to this 15 years ago yeah, there were albums that you can only listen to on streaming services for a while. Um, Jawbreaker, who we're gonna get into, like Dear You, mm-hmm. I paid fifty bucks for that fucking record. <laughs> and to hear them was talk this on the Best Buy credit card. You're a sick freak. He only knows about that because I said he was a contact, and they started calling him for my debt. Um, <laughs> I watched you write bad checks to them, <laughs> just committing felonies. First of all, I have a mortgage right now, so it's all cleared up. We're doing okay. Uh, so, Trash or Smash, MBV. First of all, terrible band name. Yeah, it is. It is. One of the worst. It definitely held me off from ever giving them a chance before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Middle of the road on them. What do you think the reaction from our fan base is going to be about this? I don't think a lot of our, quote, fans, unquote, know this band that well edit that out please they're, they're <laughs> fans with it with or without quotes no i kind of agree with you um i think that we didn't do ourselves any favor with this was a record that i was dying to talk about yeah to just get you guys i mean reaction. i'm glad i listened to it definitely yeah and we did our we did the work i did some kind of the work if, if <laughs> i did the work if five <laughs> years five years from now and then you meet somebody in, randomly in a bar and they're like do you like my bloody valentine and you can say well i I listen to Loveless. Uh, we have an audio document, and here are my notes. And they'll, mind you, they've already left at this point. But it's like we put in a good try, and there are people that obsess, are obsessed with this band. Yeah, and this record. I read one in the Pitchfork review. They were like, "I've never heard a more perfect record." Like that grabbed me immediately. I'm like, that is completely opposite from what I heard. Like. Mm-hmm. The sounds weren't bad. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. I think it just we, doesn't stick with me. I think we all felt the same way about it. Yeah. I don't. We've never been on the same page like this before. Yeah, true. I've listened to this record at least twenty times. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you one lyric from it. I'm glad that I didn't do that. I, I was feeling bad that I didn't, but I don't think it would no, have changed should, my opinion. <laughs> you should do the fucking work, but <laughs> well, in this case, maybe it worked out. You didn't really know if we we're going to actually have a podcast tonight. Exactly. So That's why I, I, was. I don't. I don't blame you, but. You hope for the best. You 
Hey, put you know, into the universe when what Scott you want is from the it. pillar that's of what, optimism. That's you put times into are tough. the universe what you hope. I'm sorry. Have you been? Scott's a manifestation guy now. He's, I didn't know that. It's been a crazy month. It has been. <laughs> Scott three is coming out. Son of Scott three. Is that for public record yet? Doesn't matter. <laughs> that's all good. Wait, parents listen to this podcast. Did you tell them yet? Yes, I told them okay. before you. Okay, <laughs> just just making sure. I'm not worried about Scott. I'm worried about our other, our Tony and his kid. Everything's going to be fine. That's true. Let's not talk about Tony's third child. We I don't know. need to hear that story. Baby again. Rocco. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Trash or smash? Yuck I, or I, yum? How many head nods? Oh, it's a it's a yum, but with an asterisk. I don't want any more. Okay. It's a yum, but I don't want seconds. One serving is plenty. Yeah. I don't think I've ever felt about a record like I respect it totally. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I just will never be in the situation to listen to it. I don't know. I, I, even that, I feel like I'm like giving it too high a praise. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't like it that much. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, imagine like, you feel ma- bad be saying bad things about it. I do feel bad saying bad things about it because I think that it's. You know what I love about it? Is that it came out in 91. Mm-hmm. That's not a reason to like an album. I lo- Why do you like that record? It came out six weeks after Nirvana. <laughs> do you like the music? Nah, not really, buddy. <laughs> six weeks after Nirvana. I, would like, I like Daniel Johnston more than this. Whoa. Of course. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't like Daniel Johnston. No, but like, I, dude, walking the car was stuck in my head every day. I can't tell you how many times Devil Town drives, uh, ri- runs through my head when I'm driving to work. Runs through your veins. <laughs> You're becoming a devil. <laughs> the dew's slipping in. <laughs> and I just didn't, it, I don't know. I, I, we, we, when, we, when I listen to these things, like we fall on the same tropes. It's not for me. Yeah. When would I listen to it? Right. Or, but it's true. <laughs> or it's like, if I heard this when I was younger, I would have liked it. Those yeah. don't fit. I don't think I would have liked this anymore when I was younger. No, I don't think so either. I think I would have been more confused by it. Maybe. I would have been like, can we listen to like fucking We Are The Only Friends That We Have? Can we listen like, to Jawbreaker? That's all I wanted to do yeah. after watching that documentary and then realizing I had to listen to My Bloody Valentine again. <laughs> well, why don't we Just wanted take... to throw on 24-hour revenge therapy. <laughs> All right, let's play. Scott, final thoughts on MBV. I've given them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Emily, final thoughts? Someone, it's for someone. They, and they end in this It defined room. a genre. And Do you think anybody in the NBA likes MBV? Yes. JJ Reddick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, take, do you want to take a break? Sure. Come Scott? back with some job no. record. You don't want to take a break? We can do whatever you want. Okay, let me let's take a break. We'll go out with Jawbreaker, and we'll come back with Jawbreaker. Okay. from here. 
for the Jawbreaker segment. Mm-hmm. This is a song about me and Scott in high school. We're not punk. And they're telling everyone about us. <laughs> I think we were punk in high school, weren't we? We tried to be. We definitely tried to be. I wanted to start this show with uh, Dinosaurs Will Die from No Effects. But I was like, ah, I didn't. it's too punk. We don't want to alienate our audience. <laughs> I think we do that every episode. Oh, we do it. Alienate our family, friends, <laughs> everything. Uh, Jawbreaker, Don't yeah. Break Down, the documentary. Available on Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime for free. Mm-hmm. It is not long. It's 70 minutes. Yeah, it was very short. And it doesn't feel like so. It feels like it's a, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, have we watched any other music documentaries for this podcast? Uh, yes. Haven't we? Taylor Swift? No, we did not watch Devil and Daniel Johnson? Yes, Devil and Daniel Johnson. I mean, it rivals that to me in terms of quality. But that was different. That was a a man who flew too close to the sun. And when he was flying, he threw the keys (laughs) of the plane out the window. Along with his father. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yeah, I think that was the only other doc. Oh, Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense and uh, American Utopia. We watched that too. Right. Right. And that was more like a... Those are performance, yeah, yeah. So this was kind of a throwback for the podcast to listen to a uh, or to watch. Sort of like what would you describe this as? A sort of an autopsy. That's a negative connotation of the word I was trying to think well, of. A band died, and they were trying to figure out what happened. But they got resurrected in the end. They did. Uh, well, I, I guess so. Do you want to talk, give a little like synopsis of like what the documentary is about? Yeah, so it's, a, it's about the band Jawbreaker mm-hmm. and how they sort of came to this underground fame, which they lost when they signed to a major label mm-hmm. and came out with a record and everyone called them sellouts and it was really uh, contentious. Hated, only sold 20,000 copies. Yeah. Yeah, I think people would buy tickets to go <clears throat> see them play, only to turn their backs on them when they That's started rough. playing songs from that album. And the only person who knew was Billy Joe from Green Day. <laughs> he knew. Uh, so Adam, the drummer, mm-hmm. Chris, the bassist, and Blake, the lead singer. Um, Jawbreaker to me was a band that was sort of like, "Hey, you like punk? Well, da da da. You got to listen to Jawbreaker." And Dear You is the record where they sold out, but everything before that is flawless. Yeah. I never, I, I know Jawbreaker more than, like, they're not like one of my favorite bands, but they are a band that I like really like. Yeah, same. But they weren't sort of on this weird saint-like pedestal to me as they were to everybody in the documentary. Well, we were too young for that. I think so. Yeah. I think Jawbreaker might be the first band where I just said... Pat likes this, and I can't. And <laughs> well, I just—I never listened to him. I well, don't know any of these songs. It's too bad for you, Scott. Well, and I definitely missed out. Yep. When you talk about a band not being on a pedestal, it really wasn't to the band members either. They no. like knew exactly what they were. I thought it was like sort of like endearing how well they handled doing this. I'll say it again: autopsy on their entire career. Yeah. And it's, it's what fifteen years later though. Like that's a long time. No, they all it was new. it was like twenty five years. Dear You came out in ninety six. Okay, well, this was filmed. I think in twenty eleven. Yeah, so that's seventeen. Oh, well, but no, I'm saying that they've all gone on to other things. 
Yeah, the guy's got a videotape store. Adam has a videotape <laughs> store. <laughs> and his employees love Chris them. is a homemaker. Yep, he, Chris That's is a he, homemaker. He cooks dinner. He takes care of a 16-year-old cat. Yep, no kids. But and Blake makes himself postcards. Well, yeah. Blake did Jets to Brazil. That yeah. was his other band, and he's yeah. done solo stuff. But, you know, I, I think that when I watched this documentary the first time, this is what I wrote. The vibe is very much like we are exhausted and we have very minor grievances with each other and barely enough energy to talk about them. That's what, yeah. That was like, they were like sick of each other in a way when you have a, like a close friend where you're like, we got to take a break. Yeah. Well, it's the same old story with bands too where the lead singer is getting all the credit, all mm-hmm. the attention and the backing members or... I mean, they're not backing members, but that's what they're treated like. Start to feel like they're not getting enough credit, and then that wears on the I, band. I thought what I thought was interesting was that's definitely what happened. Yeah. But then the quote unquote backing members also realized that he's in the now they realize that he was the reason they were so successful. Right. And they really don't begrudge him for it right. as much. They were like so well adjusted. Yeah. Could you imagine like? If you talk to the Rolling Stones in 1980, all the shit they would have talked about each other, having gone through the 70s and late 60s, it would have been like a bloodbath. But like Jawbreaker, they were all like, they had come to terms with it in the moment and later. Yeah. Like Like you could kind of see them. So the documentary, they're interviewing these guys current day and then they're showing footage from mm -hmm. when they were an acting band. But you can kind of see them getting like worked up when they rehash some yeah. of these things, and then they like calm down and they're like, "Well, well, we when, were young." And- when they're in the studio and they were trying to get Blake to play some songs, this is in the beginning of yeah. the studio stuff because well, the, it's kind of the narrative flow of the film is it, whether go, or not they'll be able to get Blake to play. Yeah, yeah, and and they go so like also there's this little thread that they didn't quite weave through the documentary was that they were listening to the masters, and I think the documentary people were like, yeah, and you guys can play, but they didn't tell them. They didn't have all their own instruments either. Right. So, you know, Chris and Adam were like, oh, I'll fucking bang on a drum set or I'll play a bass. But like Blake was, somehow they had a lefty guitar for him because he's a lefty. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. And, you know, Blake, like the pretense, was like, mind you, it's a very unusual concept to be like, we're going to listen to the masters and you guys might play if you want to. That is no way in my mind is that how they got them to be there. Because they would ne- Blake would never have shown up. You could get that vibe. He did not want to be there for that. Yeah. He had no problem doing the emotional work. He did not want to play music with those people. Right, 100%. So, yeah, there was they definitely... They must have tricked him in some way. In some way. There were some background shenanigans. And this is... This is the thread or the backbone of the documentary is that they're, and I think that the idea initially, and this is just based on what we saw, was that the band Jawbreaker is going to listen to their masters and we're going to intersperse that with their history. Well, when they went to do that, they had no interest in playing together or even really reflecting on their masters at all. And they had to make a new documentary, which was kind of like the history of the band. Yeah. Um, and the history of the band is quite interesting. It really was. They yeah. went to like a crazy. Well, uh, Adam and Blake went to like this sort of like artsy school, and that dog, you know the band, that dog. No. Well, that they went there as well. It was kind of funny. Uh, do you know the band, that dog? You've heard of them before? No, I haven't. They're like a 
I'll play a little that dog. They went to the same school. I keep waiting for a joke here. Like it's going to be like a <laughs> what up dog uh, I just joke. got bad news. Scott, you're going to love this. That dog was just killed. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, they're like a pop band. I was at the Jabberjaw, the cutest boy I ever So saw. these guys went to the same high school as Adam and Blake. Okay. So it was like an, uh, a school for musically inclined kids, creatively inclined kids. And they had these, they started a bunch of like little punk bands. And then I think they moved to New York and then put up flyers and they got Chris. And they talked to Chris on the phone. They thought it was a girl. Right. And they were so stoked to have a girl in the band. <laughs> uh, Chris now, is a wild character. He reminded found- me of Paul Giamatti. Really? <laughs> his hyperactivity and his enthusiasm kind of reminded me of myself in a way. Yeah, I had like, that thought too. It wasn't <laughs> like, he was just like, it wasn't, they didn't frame it in any particular way, except they let him tell his story and you were able to form your own opinion. And Jawbreaker, I'm sorry, Jawbreaker, but like Adam and Blake were like, yeah, we loved him. He was a great guy. Um he was enthusiastic. He was hyperactive. When things got uncomfortable, he tried to like cheer us up. I, I don't know. Like they didn't have a bad word to say about each other. Yeah. No, uh, not in general. I think, like you said, they realized that most of the things were petty grievances. Yeah. And it was just so much time together. And and they, then to have that backlash from all the fans, and that's just gonna make you not want to make music anymore. Together. I wrote these all of those notes. things combined. Yeah. I wrote Blake autistic, Adam the funny guy, Chris ADHD. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Blake, but you do love to diagnose people. So. <laughs> well, I just thought it was like in a documentary where the conflict is in the past and they resolve it in like the present. I thought it was like kind of unique. Like you don't really see that kind of documentary. Yeah. Where like they were they weren't like thrilled to be around each other, but like they kind of like worked out their issues they kind in, of grew, in real time. They grew into it. Yeah. And the reminiscing scenes were pretty nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then once in a while there'd be a nerve touched and yeah. they would have to back off a little bit. Well, like. But oh, it, in the second half of the documentary, they started doing more scenes where they would show like kind of the happy conversation in the mm-hmm. current day studio and then they would cut away to. Chris in a Chris, kilt, and he would just out. start ripping yeah. Blake. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Blake was kind of an asshole. Yeah, I, I thought he was yeah, a dick, most likely. But he came to terms with it. Like the the band didn't like explode or implode. They just kind of collectively knew it was time. Yeah, and then when they talked to Chris, and without this part of the the documentary. Or this point of conflict, I think it kind of makes it seem the documentary has like less power. Is that they wanted a jawbreaker reunion for his wedding, right? And they wouldn't do it, and that, like that was like sad for. I felt bad for Chris because he like asked for it, and they said no. Like that's a personal favor, right? Yeah, <laughs> for t- a really so, like, big that's tough deal. That is that's not for the fans, right? That's that's for his family and his wife. His wife probably, wanted it. Yeah, that's tough. Tough yeah. look for Blake. But when you when they talked to Blake, like he didn't, yeah, he was obviously an asshole. But like he didn't seem like an above average asshole. No, he was trying to keep it close to his vest. Like he was proud of the music he did, 
and he didn't want to like spoil it. And his his uh sort of uh when he said it's like Newton and the Rainbow his explanation. At the yeah, end. that was yeah. a little wild. But like it it felt endearing to me. Yeah. yeah, it was endearing. But it just it was a good example of the different ways that they think about things. Yeah. But like Chris never pushed him. He never flipped out. Adam never was like Adam was seemed like the most well-adjusted guy I've ever seen in a music documentary in my entire life. Yeah. I'm concerned for his employees. I'm concerned for his <laughs> the video sister? store. Was that his sister that was She's I, fine. She's 100% right now. Okay. That's his she? sister, Kembra Fafler, or whatever the last yeah. name is. Yep, she's great. Looked her up on Instagram today. Okay. What, what's the deal, though? I think she just has a shaved widow's peak. That's the deal. And she wears a lot of wigs. The eyebrows, right. the wigs. She's fine. She looks just like her brother. I mean, they're dead ringers for each other. Hmm. Um, there was a fight between Chris and Blake. It got physical. Did get now, physical at one when point. When I was on the Stand By Your Band podcast, we talked about that fight a little bit too. Did you? Because I don't remember. They had talked about it on the previous Stand By Your Band, but good for Chris. Yeah. Fuck him up. I mean, someone spits gum in your hair. Mm-hmm. You're gonna wanna do something about it. Absolutely. Jump in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, and it was surprising coming from Chris. I mean, he, Chris was just like. He was a spaz, but he admitted he was a spaz. That's why it was such a weird thing where, like, nobody denied anything. And nobody made excuses. No, right. right. The conflict was, it was different. I, I just, this was like a love fest slash airing of grievances. I don't know. It was kind but of But it didn't unique... feel forced. Didn't no, feel didn't... like an intervention or like a therapy session or something. No, it didn't feel like, like, they were... Even like their friendship had run its course in a way. Right. And they knew it. And like Chris, okay, Chris, he's a spaz. But like they show how he plays the bass. Yeah, they were so like good. raving about it. They're yeah. like, yeah, yeah we, we described, they, what do they call it? Like contramedical, they, the way he played the bass, they like described it in this weird way. And they yeah. were like. It wasn't just slapping the bass. It wasn't just <laughs> slapping the bass. That's the kind of refs we get on this podcast. I love you, man, references. Um <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. The Geffen executive with the fedora, yeah. I did not care he for him. He fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, did, he did, did you see the part where they were like, at, they were interviewing Adam, and he was like, yeah, one of the guys we talked to, he's like, we don't lose out on a band. We don't lose out on a band. We never do. Yeah. And they go to him, and he's like, yeah. I, I was never like, lose out on a band. Yeah, I never lose on a band. <laughs> his stupid fucking fedora. I hated him. He, yeah. He's... Egg was on his face. You fucking signed a shitty band, dude. Uh, no, he just... <laughs> Everything about him sucked. The way he talked, the way he told every story. You know, yeah. he's just that the cool music executive. Like, yeah, that's his role. And he's probably got like was, a bunch of different hats. Uh, like literally, when they say like you have different hats for stuff, that's that's him we're talking about. A bunch of Stanzo brand fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> that's good shit. You couldn't pull that out at Tony's party. You were trying no, to think of Dan it. Dan texted me the picture. Oh, of it and we okay. started talking about it. Um, do you remember the part where they were talking to Billy Joe? And it was, uh, they were reflecting on one of the songs and it was, I, 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 yeah. I, and he goes, yeah, I want that at my wedding. And I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I was like, yeah, I, okay, he was cool. Like, That's the kind of song you get married to. Yeah. I was like, oh, like really? I, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe. Um, <laughs> you taking notes? Well, I just thought it was like, no, that's not the kind of song you get married to. <laughs> now, I thought it was when they really focused on 
becoming Green Day, just emulating Green Day's success. I thought they got the same producer, mm-hmm. the same guy produced Dookie. They got the same music video, same like I don't know, agent. like agent, and it's pretty crazy. And then it just didn't work with the public at all at that time. Nope. Well, it didn't work with the public, and then it really alienated the Jawbreaker fans. Yeah. Yeah, and think about when Green Day Dookie came out. Did have you listened to Dear You? No, I meant it's, to. Okay, so like Green Day Dookie is probably one of the most best produced albums I've ever heard in my entire life. It's warm, it's loud, um, it's very like intimate. Dear You is not like that. Hmm. Um, even the remaster wasn't, to, in my opinion, very good. I don't think it's a good record. When the they, interviews with the producer were pretty interesting. Because he only kind of remembered it, but he remembered key parts of it. No, Steve Albini, who did 24-hour events. He still there. didn't even know the band. He had to keep so making sure it wasn't Jawbox. <laughs> yeah. That was Steve Albini, who did 24-hour revenge therapy. But yeah. Rob Carvalho, who did, um, he did Dear You, he was like, yeah, this these guitars were great. And there was one point where he was like, Adam was like, how many guitars were in this part? And he's like, there were three. And he's like, I always thought there were 16. And the rumor was that like they did a 16-guitar overdub on their major label debut. Also, I thought a great line was that, remember the radio interview with Blake? And the guy was like, so like, how much money did you get for this record? And he said a shit ton. A shit ton. And then he goes, well, how much is a shit ton? He goes, well, let's just say we got a lavish amount of money to make this record, which to me is... What a great answer. I think he said, we got enough money to make this record he said lavishly. Lavish. Yeah, exactly. Which is which, different than a lavish amount of money to make but, the record lavishly. To me, that's like, they got the money for the producer, for the promotion, yeah. for whatever. But like, they didn't get cold hard cash. I mean, they, they, they did. But like, they didn't... They didn't become super rich. Yeah. No. After I mean, it failed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you had gave me dear you and dookie side by side at that time i would have been like i would have put dookie on dear you (laughs) i would have said like dookie's a way better album like it is way better it's not even close i mean it's funny to like they have the interviews with like rich egan from vagrant who is a fucking world-renowned asshole i don't know Um, anything about him well, anniversary was on Vagrant mm-hmm. and whatever, but it, it's just funny to like hear them have like rose-colored glasses looking back on the album. It's like the album's fine. Well, <laughs> at what point did it become like a cult classic? How long after its demise did it all of a sudden? Like two thousand five. I paid fifty bucks for it. Right. So, like almost ten years after. Was it ninety six? Yeah, that one came about out? ten years. It was ninety five. Okay. I remember turning 12. It was on September 12th. <laughs> September 12th. His birthday. The towers were standing. They were. Look at that. Someone else picking up my slack. Um, a couple more things I want to talk about. <laughs> Chris hated LA because it was too sunny. I thought that was such a great line. <laughs> it's like, where do you turn our age at the time? When you're like, if it's a sunny day, I'm happy. That is my life right now. If it is a sunny day, I am happy. A dreary day? Not so much. I like a dreary day every now and then. I don't. Personally. Nope. Scott? Depends. No, I don't like a dreary day. You Just must have been very miserable on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, I saw that domestic dispute. It cheered me up. <laughs> uh, so, do you remember the stuff at 924 Gilman Street? No. It's a, a little bit. That was the, the old guy. That was guy, the club. Yeah. Right? The guy's name was Radley. <laughs> okay. I liked him. 
It did you? Yeah. Because no, he fucking hated him. <laughs> I liked him. That song I'm Telling Tim by No Facts is about 924 Gilman. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. I wanted to play that, but. If um, I fuck up, oh, I'm well, telling yeah. Tim. It should have been I'm Telling Fucking Radley, because Radley seemed like he, he held all the fucking cards. He certainly did. What a great song. You just had to get no effects in the this podcast. I, I had to. So, you can tell by the lyrics, this is an okay. indictment of Jawbreaker. I think Tim was the owner. Either way, neither here nor there. Um, so... Da, 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 da. They talked. They did a little like montage of all the bands that like supposedly sold out. Green Day, Rancid, Sam I Am, and Jawbox. I thought that was kind of funny to think that like Rancid, Rancid sold out on Epitaph. Their records what? were distributed by Warner Brothers. Were they? Mm-hmm. Don't Google that. No, I'm, I'm like 100 <laughs> percent certain. Uh, can you fault a band though for wanting to sign with a major label? I mean, no, not when you're an old person like us. <laughs> no, but like, you understand that you should get paid for your fucking work. <laughs> right. Well, think about it in the moment. Yeah, I guess you can, but look where the industry went. I mean, right. no one's getting paid. Yeah. Like, if you look back, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, it might have been shitty at the time. Like, Jawbreaker, they obviously have no regrets. They no. told people they would never sign to a major label, and then they did, what, a week later, six yeah. weeks later? <laughs> and Billy Joe was like, oh, oh don't do that. <laughs> no, but when we were in high school, it was a thing. years old. It was definitely a thing. Oh, they're selling out. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. I mean, And we, now, 15 years later, yeah, man, fucking get paid. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of our favorite bands is the band Tree. In our and he- in, in our heads at the time was like, why won't this band sign? Like, why? Well, nobody wanted them. But. No, but well, <laughs> I guess they had a deal with like, um, Victory that like collapsed for whatever reason. But it was in our heads, we're like, you guys are staying strong, and 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 Trees heads, they were like, no, we're trying to sell out. Like, yeah, I think bands I, want to cash day in. Will come, baby. Yeah, and never did. Mm. Now, I, do you, do you get all this shit, river shit I send you? I do. Yeah, it's very sad. He's making screen prints of Pat, Trump stuff. Pat DMs me Dave Trees Instagram With no stuff. response. I still do it, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, duh, duh, duh. I thought it was so funny how Blake was like, no. Do you want to play accident prone? No. No. I like how he varied the cadences of his <laughs> nose. Like he would kind of pretend to give it half a thought. Hmm. No, not that one. No. Like there was an answer he might say yes to. And then he would like play like some palm muted stuff that would have sounded like it. And he's like, yeah. no. No. Nope. Nah. Not going to do that. But uh, like, uh, uh, no. Uh, I wrote, Blake seems like a rascal. When he says they weren't going to sign with a major, I think he was being sly. They changed their mind. They got a shitload of money to make a record lavishly, not to buy a house, boat, or Ferrari. They got the money to make the record. They had to do it. Yeah. They did it in the effort to save the band. They tried, yeah. It was like having a kid, you know? To save the marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Is that <laughs> what you're doing, dog? <laughs> um, Graham Elliott. That's a, little, it's a little low. Okay. A little low. 
Well, you you said it. I'm ten years into this. You thing. did team up. You did team up for yeah. it though. Did, okay, do you remember this part of the doc? Jeff Saltzman, the manager, sitting under an overpass with a few 40 ounces and <laughs> a mixing board concerned. saying he hasn't recovered. I was concerned Because some of us haven't recovered from uh, the, the failure of Dear You. He's under an overpass. <laughs> what are we supposed to take away from that? Is, this, is he homeless? I looked it up. I think he's okay, but... I'm like they made it look like he's homeless. He's homeless, drinking forty ounces with a mixing board, lugging around like a dead baby, (laughs) hanging out with a a troll under the bridge. You remember that part? Um, What's what's the dead baby have to do with anything? He's he's lugging around a mixing board under an overpass. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really. I'm so happy you saw that. It was a really weird scene. It was shot wide too. Yeah, he goes. Some of us haven't recovered. I searched. (laughs) His name was Jeff Saltzman. I. That really, that was out of left field. <laughs> um, what do you think of the Graham Elliott thing where he said Jawbreaker saved his life? I, it was unnecessary. Cut it out. I was thinking insulin might have saved his life. <laughs> might have been a bit of an overeater. Uh, <laughs> we always have to talk about body shaming, don't we? <laughs> I didn't say a word of our... Uh, well, I think we can... Con- do you have any more points in the doc you want to make? No, I just... I was really happy to revisit Jawbreaker. It's been a while since yeah. I listened to them, so... It's, it's like a... Great documentary. Yeah. I really... 80 minutes of just... Mm-hmm. I learned good a lot. Music, yeah, good music. And it's a good narrative story. Like, they all seem very happy. Yeah. Nobody got, like, the shaft. Um, I, I wish... I want to see a documentary. We We should probably serve this up for the next time we do something where... Somebody gets fucking painted badly. There was no drug addiction in this one. No booze problems. No ODs. No. You want more of that? I just... This was just sort of like a snapshot of a band. You know? It was like an almost famous situation. Yeah. Stillwater. I think it's interesting how the public perception of their personalities was way off. Oh, I had no idea. I was stunned. I didn't either, but even they were saying, like, people thought we were this, like, serious intellectual band mm-hmm. and, like, didn't want to have fun. And But they were like, no, they were jokesters. They were just yeah, and, young guys having when, a good time. It's very rare you watch a documentary with it where the well, Blake was like, yeah, what people don't know is that, like, we're funny. Right. And you're like, well, they actually kind of were funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. like to mess around. And, you know, there might be a Green Day doc in the future where, you know, they've been together for 30 years where it might be similar. But mm. do you think Nirvana was funny? I don't think so. Seems unlikely. No. Yeah. Who knows? I don't we'll know. know. I, I, you know, I really like this doc. It's kind of unlike. There wasn't a lot there, but like they made it work. Yeah. Do you think you'll listen to Jawbreaker, Scott? Yeah. No, I definitely want to. He'll be listening to it on the ride home from here, so. Uh, I never heard the word Maybe bivouac. This is why people think we're married? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, what are you bivouacking? Well, bivouac is a word that it means a tent, right? Like a little tent. I think so. Something along those lines. I don't none know. of us know, which is rare. No, none of us is, is it's even. A, it's a power in a board game I've played a few times. What is uh, Marge Simpson's maiden name? Bouvier. Uh, Bouvier. Yeah. Okay, I knew it was similar. Me and Sarah watched Grey Gardens. Remember that, Doc? Yeah, how was no. that? It was fun. We liked it. Yeah, a temporary camp without tents or cover, used especially oh. by soldiers or mountaineers. So I, at the end of the Doc, which they were trying to get Blake to play, right? And Chris was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, whatever. And Blake was like, 
no, I'm not going to do it. And then all of a sudden he did start playing. Yeah, obviously he was going to. I had no, I, I didn't feel that obvious to me. Yeah, me either. And then it's the only play, the only reason you set up the whole narrative arc of that story is if he plays at the end. I didn't think it mattered if he didn't play it or didn't play it. Whether or not they got together as a band again, I think was more. Well, they did. They toured. Yeah. And I had tickets. I didn't go. I sold them online. Great decision. How do you feel about that now? Um, they're not like a they're not like a a canon band for me. Mm. When did you first hear about them or listen to them? Um, I first heard of them probably early two thousands with. Um, boxcar and then mm-hmm. i played that kiss the bottle cover by lucero which i used to see lucero all the time and i didn't realize they didn't write kiss the bottle okay so but also i, I don't they were like too gruff for me at the time really you, yeah but you love hot water music I, that was the one band i knew you were gonna point out but like they were too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know I first heard about them because the Get Up Kids referenced one of their songs, Jinx Removing, mm-hmm. in uh, Don't Worry, I'll Catch You. Ooh. And I didn't know what Jinx Removing was, so I think I asked Jeeves or something, whatever you, you did back Jeeves. in those days. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was my intro to Jawbreaker. I mean, that's uh, a fair as intro as anyone can be. Yeah. So what are we going to watch for next week? We got to talk about it off mic. Well, I know what we're going to listen to. Oh, yeah. Forgot about this little teaser you dropped earlier. Uh, This is a record that I've tried to listen to, but I cannot get into. Roxy Music Avalon. Never heard them. Really? Mm -mm. Do you know the band? Mm -mm. Brian Eno. Yeah, no. You don't know Brian Eno? I know who Brian Eno is, but I never, aside from what he did with the Talking Heads and and David Byrne, I've never really listened to him. Next week, Roxy Music Avalon. Scott? Thoughts. No thoughts. All right. Blank slate. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we get to wrap it up. Okay. So that's what we're doing next week. Well, thanks for listening. Um, Check out Don't Break Down, I think. That's the main idea. Skip my bloody Valentine and go right into (laughs) Don't Break Down. Even if you've never heard him before, you'll be a fan. I think it's a very endearing documentary about a band that is still beloved to this day. There's really not a lot to not like about the song boxcar yeah he, i think he talked about writing it um he was overseas and they were talking about green day selling out and he was like i'm gonna write the song about it and he called it a little ditty which i thought was cool yeah because meanwhile it's like a timeless fucking song but anyway thanks for listening scott final thoughts going forward i'm happy to be back all right yeah i think we're gonna record next week and uh have a good night yeah bye See ya. Bye.